I'm Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by VP and Principal Analyst Amy Bills and VP Principal Analyst and Executive Partner Nick Buck to discuss how B2B companies can find the level of customer obsession that's right for their companies. Welcome both. Thank you, Jen. It's great to be here. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having us. So before we get into, you know, companies being able to find the right level of customer obsession, let's just define when we say customer obsession, what do we really mean by that? Well, Jen, customer obsession is something that Forrester has been thinking about and researching and talking about for a long time now. But at the end of the day, customer obsession is more than just words. It's more than just an idea. It's what we call a perpetual business orientation. It's really what the organization is and how it works. It's about really putting the customer at the center of everything we do, whether that be our strategy, the way we go about leading the organization, and really also how we drive that into our operations as well. But also really the crucial part about customer obsession is that it needs to work for both parties. It needs to maximize the value that the customer is getting out of the relationship with us, but also making sure that it's a valuable relationship for us as we work with those customers as well. So let's just dig in on that. I mean, what is the value of orienting your firm um, around the customer, you know, leadership, strategy, operations? Is there tangible evidence that this orientation, um, you know, drives value? Yes, and lots of it. So when we talk about customer obsession, we're we're really talking specifically about, as Nick noted, this perpetual business orientation. And it's not just about being customer centric or really liking your customers. I mean, of course, it includes that. But when we're referring to customer obsession, we're really looking at a specific set of criteria um, that that indicate how not only how the company thinks strategically and how it is supported by leadership, but how customer obsession is operationalized. So it's kind of capital C, capital O. This is a specific set of uh, principles and specific set of, of of actions uh, that these companies take. And so it's a high bar. And we do sometimes, I think occasionally we're seeing customer obsession, sort of lowercase c, lowercase o, being flung around or, or used as a substitute for being customer focused. And you know, we want to be a little bit more crisp because when we talk about the, cus- the benefits of customer obsession in B2B, and they are numerous, those really only apply if you are hitting those high level marks, right? If you are truly customer obsessed in the way that we've defined it. Now that said, when we look as an organization, as we do frequently and and compare companies that have hit that level of customer obsessed, this is a specific assessment that you can take that really looks across your organization. And then we compare those companies to other organizations that are not customer obsessed. And that doesn't mean that it's zero to 60. There are levels of customer obsession. So when we compare customer obsessed organizations to all of the others, we see substantial differences in things like 
customer-obsessed organizations are more likely to have 10% or more year-over-year revenue growth, three times more likely than the non-customer-obsessed group. And customer-obsessed organizations are more likely, three times more likely, again, to have uh, year-over-year profitability growth of 10% or more. They're more likely to be increasing customer retention. They're more likely, two times more likely, to have improvement in employee engagement. And of course, that speaks to retaining employees, um, keeping them and developing them. So customer-obsessed organizations see substantial benefits uh, over their peers who have not quite reached that level. Those are, I mean, obviously pretty compelling data data points that you just shared, but we know that companies aren't homogeneous, that there's nuance due to industry, um, size of firms, so on and so forth. So should all companies be striving for this sort of utmost level of customer obsession? I mean, are there nuances? I guess I'm making an assumption there that that there would be depending on industry or or um, service model or or orientation there. Well, Jen, that's a really great question, and you're right because those benefits and those returns that Amy had mentioned there are very real business outcomes. So they are something that the the organisation should take seriously. But also, as Amy mentioned, it's only a subset that are truly are customer obsessed. We have this spectrum of different levels of customer success. We actually call it a number of different tiers of that. There's customer naive, there's customer aware, there's customer engaged, there's customer committed, and then there's customer obsessed. And only a small subset really are customer obsessed because they meet all those criteria. But as you say, where you are on that spectrum and how far you can get is really going to depend on where you are as an organization and where you are trying to get to and where you can get to as well. Because again, customer obsession is not just a, a sort of a nice concept. It is a real objective that we're driving towards, but we need to drive towards that in the context of the real world, recognizing what we can do and what are those constraints or those pressures around us. And this is one of the areas where Amy and I have really been doing a lot of thinking and doing some research recently is how do we take this idea of customer obsession and make it something really real. Because as we start to think about deciding what we're going to do and how much we're going to invest, that means taking those ideas and turning them into specific actions. And just going back to how you start to make those decisions, one thing we've been thinking about is the fact that your approach and your objectives when it comes to customer obsession are going to be determined by those forces and pressures that you're feeling. And those can be forces and pressures from outside the organization in terms of what your competition's doing, how hard they're pushing you, whether your market or your industry is being disrupted, or actually how much work you're having to do to make sure that you keep track with and stay engaged with your customers as their needs change and their behaviors change. But also on the other side, it can be the fact that as you're looking to be more customer obsessed, if your organization is in a high growth mode or moving very fast or looking to engage new customers, it may actually be that you need to do a lot more work there yourselves as well in terms of making sure that if you're looking to be the disruptor uh, rather than being the one being disrupted, you're probably going to push harder and try harder to um, engage with your customers and show some of those characteristics of being customer obsessed uh, rather than if you're in some other mode within your organization, if there's other things that you're focused on as well. 
And it can also come down to the fact that it's not just from the customer facing activities, but also if what you're offering and what you're selling is changing, if the nature of that relationship you're building with your customers is shifting, that may have an impact on what you can do from the perspective of customer obsession and how much you want to invest in it as well. Yeah, I mean, is there a danger of over-investing here because you're not really understanding where you are in the spectrum or where you should be pointing your resources? I don't know, Amy, if you have some thoughts there. There's there's absolutely a, a danger of over-investing and or kind of investing in the wrong place. We The customer obsession doesn't mean we're going to be customer driven at all costs, fill every request in a heartbeat, um, not do any research and just plug forward on every suggestion that obviously isn't sustainable and that's not what customer obsession is. Nick has mentioned a couple of times that this is about balance. It's about maximizing value for the company and the customer. And so that means that you can sort of Overinvest uh, in in uh, the wrong places, or even overinvest in the places that that were right. There is a point where your returns begin to diminish, and there's some really easy examples of that, or really relatable examples of that. Think about the scenario in which your uh, product team begins to over customize the offering and create custom pricing packages for every single customer. From the customer standpoint, sure, over-customize the offering, but that's not sustainable for the organization. And really, it's probably not necessary for the customer. So these, I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but uh, there is a balance between um, doing everything on a custom level and trying to create some scalability for the organization. Another example that a lot of our uh, clients face is determining things like where should customer success coverage lie? It's probably not going to be a, a single devoted customer success manager for every single account uh, in the whole company. That's not scalable. It's not necessary. That's really over-servicing. So companies have to balance um, where that is needed and where other approaches like tech touch or more of a one-to-many approach make sense. That's what we're talking about when we say kind of maximizing value across the board. I think Amy's making a really great point here, which is that absolutely there are going to be different factors that drive how far you can go. But she also mentioned the fact that your expression of customer obsession is not just going to come from your marketing department or your customer service department or your sales or your product department. It needs to be an orchestrated and aligned approach across them. And while it's going to look different in terms of the activities that each of those functions undertakes, at the end of the day, they need to be brought together and it needs to be a holistic expression of your customer obsession as opposed to just being driven out of one of those departments. So I think that's a a really important factor. And that's why all parts of the organization need to understand what it means, understand the approach they're going to take, and also collaborate and talk about that as they're looking to bring this to life as well. All of this really throws into relief how important it is that B2B organizations spend time genuinely understanding what their customers want and need. Not assuming, not uh, using a legacy understanding that that maybe has changed or grown because of some of these factors, 
making assumptions about, well, all of our customers want this, um, or all of our customers will demand this. Maybe, maybe not, but we, it's, it's because your customer needs by definition are shaping your manifestation of customer obsession. That's foundational material that it's really important to be confident about. And, that may look like lots of things for the company. It may look like straightforward stuff like just surveys. It may look like customer interviews. It may look like understanding behavioral data and really genuinely being able to analyze that. It may look like having customer advisory boards, cabs, other kinds of councils, uh, executive briefings, and, and really genuinely understanding not only what customers want, but what they need to be successful. And skipping that step sort of lays a shaky foundation for a lot of the rest of this. So I want to push on that a bit. Um, and certainly as any kind of starting point, and for any organization that's thinking about, well, how do we move toward being more customer obsessed? I would want anyone uh, in leadership at that organization to be able to confidently say, we, we do know what our customers want and need to be successful. So if you are a firm that is aiming to be more customer obsessed, how do you go about doing this? Like it always, this concept I I fear just feels so amorphous and loosey-goosey. What is the guidance here to take the steps towards becoming more customer obsessed in a programmatic way? That's a, a really great question. And actually that gets really to the heart of, what we're trying to solve for when we're helping organizations decide how to invest in customer obsession. Because at the end of the day, as you say, we can come into work and we can talk about wanting to be customer obsessed as a, as a big concept, but actually most marketing leaders come into work in the morning, think about the work they're gonna plan and how their teams are going to deliver against this and do work on a day-to-day -day basis to actually drive that actual expression of customer obsession. And one of the things that Amy and I have been thinking about on this is the fact that if you take those pressures that the organization's thinking about, but actually try and translate those down into specific actions you're going to take. If we think about the those pressures, whether they're from outside the organization or within the organization, whether they're good or bad pressures, they're going to lead to some kind of response. And if we can crystallize and discuss and agree on what those are, and then ideally map those to specific goals or metrics that we're going to try and achieve it allows us to start to get slightly more crisp about what we're actually going to do. And what it does, it starts to introduce some specific levers that we have at our disposal, which sit within this part of uh, operations of customer obsession. And we start to think about, you know, whether it's in terms of trying to build market share or grow revenue or keep our existing customers happy or keep our employees more engaged, we can start to identify specific measurable goals that we're gonna go after and that allows us then to sit down and start to build some kind of action plan or project plan to achieve those goals. And when we're thinking about those levers, it can be things around organizational structure. It can be around just the, the culture of the organization, how we're going to work and how we're going to work with our, our customers. We can think about how we do engage our people within the organization, but it can also get more specific in terms of the, the metrics we're going to work towards, the processes that we're going to build and apply and also ultimately the, the technology we're going to use to try and drive that more seamless experience either internally within the organization or uh, between ourselves and our buyers and our customers as well. And if we can start to think about those and you know, if we form this view about what we think 
customer obsession is going to mean for our organization. Uh, quite often, marketing or sales leaders will get to the point of going, that's all very well, but where do I start? What do I actually do? And actually, if we can say, well, think of it in terms of those levers that you have at your disposal, let's break the big problem down into smaller, more manageable activities. And we can start to ask ourselves, which ones are going to help us move fast forward fastest? Which are going to help us get where we need to be? And start to judge, you know, what might be some of the, the, the quick wins and what might be some of those areas that we need to start on early, but recognize that it's going to take longer to come to fruition as well. So when we think about customer obsession, and in particular for B2B companies, how do social issues or you know ESG programs come together or connect to rather maybe be better stated your your customer obsession efforts? Is there a connection there? Are they related? Does it impact? You know, there's obviously um, an an acute situation, you know, with B2C firms and consumers pressuring them to take stands on social issues or environmental issues. Is that phenomenon occurring in the in the B2B space? And and how does that play into or how do you take that into consideration of your customer obsession efforts? One of the other, um, not trends, but sort of hallmarks of customer-obsessed organizations is customer-obsessed organizations pretty consistently take ESG, environmental, social, and government strategy, seriously. They have... Um, they have a strategy, they have given thought to what this means for their organization, they've given thought to how they will have a consistent approach, they recognize that these issues are important and they want kind of a systemic approach that is really reflected throughout their ecosystem. Now, sometimes that approach might consciously be neutrality, or that so where it, having an approach doesn't mean it is a specific approach what what the what the customer obsession research shows is that these organizations have given thought to how their kind of values and how their approach manifests in their organization so whatever that looks like however that is um, whatever they've decided they've got a consistent plan again even if their conscious decision is neutrality um, we have a great, I'll, I'll point to a, a great pretty recent uh, blog post that our colleague Ian Bruce did looking specifically at B2B organizations um, kind of reaction and actions uh, to the Ukraine war. And it's it's an interesting uh, kind of microcosm or a, a little bit of a look of how those, how organizations are or are not reacting and what the various, it's employee pressures, it's customer pressures, it's it's stakeholder pressures. So they're the, the various constituents that they're thinking about. And I think the, the thread through all of this is your manifestation of what ESG looks like is going to be different for your company, but have one and have a, a way to consistently express that. Um, that was absolutely one of the threads that we pulled out of that research. Yeah, I, I would agree. And again, thinking about some of the research that our colleagues have done around trust and around what really is going to drive that strength of partnership, going back to some of those metrics that Amy shared at the beginning of this conversation about the fact that customer-obsessed organizations do consistently 
outperform their peers. That's naturally going to be based on the fact that they're forming stronger partnerships between their company and their their customers and potentially their customers' customers as well. And that is absolutely going to be based on trust. And again, that's where that idea of putting the customer at the center of everything you do becomes really uh, a real-life objective that you're driving towards. I do a lot of work with marketing executives thinking about how to optimize their organizational structures, how to plan out their organizations and their operating models. And as we look at different organizational structures across different businesses, more and more we are seeing that they are allocating effort and resource and people towards things like ESG and some of those topics, which is a clear demonstration that they see that their customers care about it. They absolutely care about it too. And if we're going to support them, again, in terms of being authentic and building that real partnership, we need to make sure that we are reflecting that in what we do and how we work and what we talk about with our customers as well. So as we come to close, what is a good starting point for companies trying to become more customer obsessed? What I'd say here is I say part of the work that Amy and I have been doing here has been not only trying to make customer obsession more of a real concept, but actually trying to answer that question about where do where do companies start? And that's why we, as we started thinking about this, we thought about those external and those internal factors. We thought about how the levers play into that. One of the things that really struck us is that there is often a lot of talking about customer obsession or being customer centric or audience centric. What doesn't often happen is actually agreeing on actions and writing that down and forming that plan, which is why we started to think about, you know, really trying to categorize what are the considerations you should be thinking about as you're forming your view about what customer obsession means to to your organization, how that then breaks down into what sales is going to do and what marketing is going to do and what product is going to do and what customer success is going to do, but really actually trying to form this plan rather than it just being a nice, well-intentioned conversation, trying to define what that vision is, but then crucially really breaking it down to those smaller, more manageable steps so that you can make a start. As or as we've observed, you know, customer obsession and the expression of that in any organization is not going to look the same. And in fact, it's going to look completely different. But if we, and we're not going to get there overnight, but if we can start to take small steps and enable people around the organization to understand what our vision is and what part they can play in driving towards that, we're going to start making incremental steps and we're going to start moving ourselves along that continuum towards being one of those uh, minority of companies that really are customer obsessed and and reap the the rewards that go with that. I would, of course, agree. And I would add that one of the other things that we, again, saw really consistently in our, our research when we look at customer obsessed B2B organizations is another, this identifying thread that these organizations pretty consistently have ensured that they do the best they can to minimize silos and really have different functions in their organizations genuinely working together. And by that, I don't mean all coming to a meeting and then leaving and doing exactly what they plan to do anyway. And and this has to be created through the culture. This has to be created even through KPIs that really have everyone in a, in a in a shared right in a shared boat, but that kind of collaboration, the breaking down of territoriality and kind of silos, um, is really a rising tide that raises all boats. When you have 
even very simple, straightforward things. So in my work, because I work in post-sale engagement, just opening the doors for the customer marketing team and customer success team to collaborate, to share information, to think together about how they can help each other be more customer centric and also be more efficient in their business. There's so much to be gained just from the breaking down of these silos. And I think, and and again, we see that when we look at this customer obsessed organizations that they really do the things that either break down or just present, prevent siloing and, you know, turf wars from forming. And I think that is so, so important. I love that connection between customer obsession and alignment. Mm-hmm. It's so huge. And planning together is critical, right? Because if you're off in your function, planning and going in one direction and, you know, product or sales is off planning in another direction, there's no way <laughs> that you're going to be driving likely in the same direction and around your customer. It's not efficient for functions to be working across purposes. And and that inefficiency shows externally. Your customers, they may not be able to articulate exactly what's wrong, but it's evident to customers when things are not aligned or as efficient as they could be. And being customer obsessed, of course, part of being customer obsessed is to make a seamless and really value-driven engagement for customers. That gets a lot harder to do if you're not even seamless internally. That's such a great point. I mean, regardless of whether we sit within a marketing organization or a sales organization, at the end of the day, we're all trying to work towards a common objective. We're actually all working within one larger process as well. And if we can just start to dissolve those barriers a little bit and think about, you know, how do we work together? What is the work that we need to do as a team? And absolutely, we need to be clear that there are roles and responsibilities within that. But if we can work together, we'll probably actually uh, sort of reach a, a better result at the end of the day as well. So no, I think it's a really great point about that. Seamless engagement across the different functions as well. Well, thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, check out Forrester's B2B Summit EMEA event, which will include a keynote session on investing in customer obsession. Learn more at for.com slash summit EMEA 22. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash Summit Amea 22. Thanks for listening.